Hey there, we're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square on Expiration Friday. The guys here getting ready behind me while they're doing that. Here's what's coming up on the show. One index is surging, and the chartmaster Carter Worth says it spells gains for one lagging industrial stock. Plus, risk one, make three. Mike Co. is a way to triple your money in Netflix in just one month. Stranger things have happened. And bonds are tumbling. But it's not giving a boost to banks. Dan Nathan says that could spell trouble. He's got the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And that is where we start. Rates giving a big boost to the banks. The financials, the second best performing sector this record week for the markets, although reversing today. Check out some of the moves. Citigroup surging 5%. J.P. Morgan also 4%, while Morgan Stanley and Goldman are each up about 3%. Despite a big week, financials have lagged the broader market this year, even as interest rates have climbed higher. But the move in the 10-year yield above 3% this week finally sparked the rally Wall Street was waiting for. And Dan is taking a look today at the TLT. Yeah, so I'm looking at it because we obviously have a Fed meeting next week and then we have one again in early November and then a third one um, in, in mid-December here and the way I'm seeing things and some of the guidance that we're getting from some companies and some of just the commentary we're seeing some from our trading partners it seems like that we do have a trade war here we do have some slowing economic data um, Globally, we're starting to see some companies talk about the effects of tariffs here. And when I think about this, obviously, Fed funds futures are pricing about 100% chance that um, the Fed raises uh, Fed funds 25 basis points next week. But what really is, uh, you know, was at one point a certainty about a December raise, and then three in 2019 seems to be something that's a bit debatable right now. So when I think about what's going on here, I also think about these midterm elections. I see a Fed that wants to kind of, uh, you know, proceed kind of lightly, especially when. And we know that the president has actually put some pressure on the Fed chair about the pace of rate increases. So I think we could see a sort of sell the news on long-dated yields here. We've seen the TLT, that's the 20-year bond ETF, has had a pretty precipitous drop since August. It's down about 4%. The TLT has gone from 123. It bounced the other day off of 116. So the way I'm thinking of it is this, is that we've seen yields uh, rise and we've seen bonds go down. I think there's a good trade setup as we look out to November expiration in the TLT being a bit contrarian. One of the reasons I think it makes sense to do so is that implied volatility, the price of options in the TLT are really cheap. You can make very near the money directional long premium bets for, you know, risking one to maybe make three for about 1% of the stock price. So here's the trade being contrarian. It's kind of a sell the yield news next week into November when the TLT was trading at 117 today. You could buy the November 117, 122 call spread, paying $1.25 for that, buying one of the November 117 calls for $1.55, selling one of the November 122 calls at 30 cents. It costs you $1.25. You break even up at 118 and a quarter. You can make up to 375 between 118 and a quarter and 122. And your max risk, again, is that 125 or a little more than 1% of the price. I have a one year chart. I'm going to let Carter talk about the charts. But look at this one here. It just bounced off of 116. 122 and a half ish seems to be really good resistance. And then if you look at the five year, it's bounced off of 116 a whole heck of a lot over that period of time. So do you like my levels? So, uh, Dan, I, you know, I'll give you a good anecdote. I was a kid and someone said, if you can draw a straight line, you'll be okay <laughs> in this business. Guess what? You drew a straight line and sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. It's a perfect line. We're right down to it. You've got good rebound potential. And here's the other thing. Record short bond positioning globally and the big pain trade would be is actually 
they don't quite move as aggressively as everyone's expecting, and you do get some sort of lift here in the 10-year. In the but even if they do move reasonably aggressively, one of the things that we could see potentially is some flattening, right, in the yield curve. And I think one of the things you really have to look to is look to signs of inflation to concern yourself with 10-year rates or 20-year rates, which is what the TLT is going to represent, and look to the Fed to figure out what short-term rates are going to be. And I actually think between that and also any of a host of geopolitical or economic risk factors, a risk off trade is long U.S. Treasuries. You know, here we are, we're right near the bottom. And finally, I would just say at 1% of the current stock price, that makes a lot of sense. It has spent most of the last 60 days, which is about how much time you have until this thing expires, well above the break-even level. So it's easy to see it making that kind of a move, even though options prices aren't implying a move that sharp. It could happen quite yeah, easily. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. From a sentiment standpoint, it's really bad. There were rumors that the Chinese were selling treasuries, you know, the Fed. They're going to have to move in front of inflation. Well, what if they're one and done in 2018? And what if they're a bit more dovish about 2019? You're going to see the TLT bounce back towards that resistance over the next few months, in my opinion. All right. From hot to not, while financials have been on fire this week, tech has been sitting out the rally, ending the week as one of the worst-performing sectors. Chartmaster here says there's an even bigger pullback ahead. What do you see, Carter? That's right. Well, tech has been faltering for a while on a relative basis, and that's what really matters in terms of opportunity costs. Could one have avoided the underperformance in tech since June? And it's actually been going on for three months. Uh, what I have here is the tech sector on top, and I have relative performance to the Standard & Poor's 500. So... What, what you'll see if I move this forward is that this is ascending. We're making new highs in tech. But the relative performance, take a look at the next chart. The relative performance is what matters. We'd actually peaked around June 5th. And here we are, almost the end of September. And as shown here, essentially, we are not progressing. And the relative performance, I can see if I move it, well, that's a little bit stuck. The relative performance is down even as you make new highs. And so the problem with that is, is that it's still crowded and yet it's no longer paying. It's no longer the reward that one would think. So let's draw the lines a different way. Here is the same S&P 500 tech sector on the top with its moving average. And here is the relative performance. We have literally lived perfectly in this channel over and over and over. And every time we move Okay. Every time we get above or below it, we are failing. And so now, you can see this here, we are on the cusp of breaking for the first time in two years. Not a good circumstance. One or two more charts. Semis. This is the smoking gun. Semis. Look at the relative performance to the S&P 500. This peaked seven months ago. We've broken trend. This is not good. Uh, something is wrong here. So, XLK itself. Here is the chart of XLK, last two years. Here is a chart with a trend line. What we know is that we have bounced beautifully off this channel, off this channel, off this channel, again and again and again. At a minimum, I think we come back down to the channel. That implies another 5%. And then what if, and I think ultimately that's it, we break. I want to be short XLK, take profits if you're long. Mm. So, Mike, what's your trade? Yeah, so I think this is one of those situations kind of like what Dan was looking at in TLT where implied volatility is relatively low. This is a, basically a basket of stocks and indices. We often see that. Uh, I was looking out to November. You could buy the 75-70 put spread, spend, spending $1.65 for the 75 puts and then selling the 70s against it for 50 cents. 
Net-net, that's going to cost $1.15, which is less than 25% of the distance between the strikes. That's the math that we typically look for. It was trading on or about 75 when I was looking at this, and it closed a little bit lower, you know, basically closing pretty much on the lows, I think, for the day or close to it. So you might even be able to look at maybe a 74.69 for a comparable amount of money if this is where it opens up on Monday. That's what you're looking for. I mean, here's one thing I would look at also is that the two, two of the biggest stocks in it, Apple and Facebook, Apple hasn't responded well since their product announcements, and Facebook has been in real trouble for a little bit longer. So if they're going to basically sway the whole sector, then you know, they're, they're giving us some significant warning signs. Yeah, so what's interesting about the XLK, the makeup of it versus, let's say, the QQQ, is that it's obviously very heavily weighted to a handful of those big mega cap names. But it's also got ATT, Verizon, Visa closed at an all-time high today. So there's some, some other funky stuff that if the market, it doesn't just have to be tech that goes lower, but telecom and some fintech sort of stuff. And then this thing will be at 70 very quickly. Um, I think it makes sense at this point, given how much those top names in the XLK have outperformed if he's telling us, Carter, that the relative performance has been topping for months, um, we could still have other sectors in the market perform okay, and this could underperform and even actually check back. It's been a source back. of funds. Yeah. That's essentially yeah. not obviously T and VZ, which are actually quite aggressive, but tech, which has been so good, has actually been the source of funds uh, that financials have profited from. I mean, you have to have, or not necessarily, but you are getting rotation. Tech is the likely continued piggy bank. You know, more broadly, some of the constituents that you reference, like Visa, are really part of the growth versus value situation that we've been dealing with in the marketplace more broadly. So it's not just about these big tech names. And if you do see a rotation, as we sometimes do, you will actually see rotation out of growth and into value. And that would be weak also for those names that you don't conventionally think of as tech stocks that are in this. Yeah, and just one point about the trade. You obviously pick 75. You're, you want to get really near the money. So you're talking about a quarter of the width. You're already in the money here. It's not going to take much for this, this trade to be profitable on just a, a short move as we go into earnings, and that's really, I guess, the target. You're going to be looking to take this off in late October once we get the bulk of some of these big tech earnings. Right. Yeah, there's 56 days to expiration here. For everything Options Action, you can check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up. Tilray shares are crashing. But before you buy puts, Mike Coe has an important PSA. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. It has been a wild, wild week for pot stocks with options traders getting in on the cannabis craze as well. Breaking down the action from the newsroom is our very own Dom Chu. Hey, Dom. That's right, Melissa. It's not just pot stocks that are attracting a lot of attention. Options volume on pot stocks is exploding this week, and a lot of that could be related to an inability to make short bets on these names, particularly on shares of marijuana-related stocks like Tilray, like Canopy Growth, and Kronos Group as well. One way to look at this is through the open interest lens, or the total number of options contracts in each stock outstanding. So we'll start with Tilray, whereas as of September 20th, total open interest between calls and puts was around 343,000 contracts. Compare that to roughly a month before, back on August 22nd, when open interest was just 
8,000 odd contracts. For canopy growth open interest, September 20th, almost 268,000 contracts. A month earlier, August 22nd, that was more like 96,000 contracts. And for Kronos Group, open interest, September 20th, 380,000 plus contracts, open interest. And on August 22nd, it was closer to around 69,000. Now, remember on that crazy day, September 19th, when Tilray hit 300 bucks a share, options trading volume also showed a huge spike for Tilray. 237,000 plus total options contracts traded on August 22nd. Total trading volume was just around 2,800 contracts. Canopy growth trading on that day. Total volume 102,000 plus contracts. 30,000 was what it was about a month ago. And for Kronos, trading volume on the 19th of September, almost 92,000 total contracts versus just around 12,000 a month ago. Now, the bottom line, Melissa, that explosion in pot stock interest translated into an explosion for trading and options on those pot stocks, which already appears to be cooling off a bit just between yesterday and today. Back over to you. All right. Thanks, Dom. Dom, to in the newsroom. So how is all this crazy options volume and rising short interest impacting the price of put options. Professor Coe's got the answer and his call to action. Mike. Yeah, so when a stock becomes hard to borrow, as it does when the short interest really rises and you start to see all of this activity taking place in the options market, generally speaking, you start seeing a lot more volatility in the stocks and therefore in the price of options. Taking a look at Kronos, we can see right here, as the short interest rose, we can see that the volatility of the stock similarly rose very, very sharply. We take a look at canopy growth, We've got basically the same dynamic going on here. We've got the short interest going up, and we've got the volatility also rising very sharply. How sharply? Well, we can take a look at what these markets are actually implying when we take a look at Tilray. There isn't as much of a history in options for Tilray, but when I was looking at this earlier, the stock was trading about $130, and the December 130 straddle, that's taking the call and the put together, cost almost $90. That is essentially what the options market is implying. The movement in this stock could be between now and December expiration. Now, if you've been paying attention to options prices, you might have noticed something else also. With the stock trading at 130, the call was 30 bucks, and the put was actually 60, with the stock right at 130. Why was the put so much more? Well, what the options market is telling you is that it has become so expensive to borrow the stock that people are using puts. They're paying up to get those puts to make those bearish bets. And if you add the strike plus the call, that, so this is 130 strike plus 30, that gets you to 160, and then you deduct the price of the put, that's 60, the net is $100. That is the forward price for December expiration that the options market is implying for Tilray. So if you're thinking about buying a stock, remind yourself that the options market sees this thing going lower. Well, let's say you are thinking about that, Carter. What did the chart show? Buying that stock? Tilray. Okay. Uh, um, I think that's dangerous. That reaction's business. priceless. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. If you look at the aggregates, right, the alternative harvest ETF, it's quite a good week. If you look at the sort of the grandfather of indices, if you can say that in this uh, very young business, but the Canada Cannabis Competitive Peers Index, all having good weeks. Tilray, that's a, a blow-off epic top, and it will not be exceeded perhaps forever. Hey, Mike, so we've seen this situation before with, with stocks that have hard borrows, small floats, that sort of thing, and mania is going around. Are there some strategies, short premium strategies, that you can define your risk that makes sense in a name like this that is moving, you know, 30 40% a day? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's very tempting to start dipping your toe into these things. 
One of the things that attracts options traders for sure is volatility. The thing is, though, there are not a lot of free lunches. In a name like Tilray, most of these options are four or even five dollars wide. It makes it very hard to get into multi-leg strategies at prices that are going to be reasonable. So unless you really are prepared to spend a lot of time and attention and can trade this moment to moment, I think you're probably better off watching this one from the sidelines. I mean, you were looking at the options action in a yeah. lot of these stocks this week. I think the most important thing is what Mike just said, is that if you're looking at one option, it may have a 4 or $5 wide spread. If you're looking at a um, spread, a call spread or a put spread, you know, double that then, right? So if you're going to go and pay the market in a fast market, the bid ask is almost making it impossible for you to be successful in this sort of trade. Um, so the way I think about it is if you really need to make a directional bet, long call spreads or long put spreads, make sure that you're actually bidding for them. You're not paying, you're crossing the bid ask and you're likely to get hit in a name like this. How about the other um, cannabis stocks out there? Are there do we see the same sort of increase and I mean we saw volume obviously increase how about the prices of options every single time you get into one of these sort of short squeeze situations where the short interest mm -hmm. is very high and it doesn't have to be a pot stock we saw it you know quite a while ago in names like GoPro for example with the same situation when you have relatively small floats and you have a lot of people trying to borrow against it you get a lot of volatility and you get a high cost to borrow and you get this kind of activity in the options the one thing I would say is that if you own a stock like this and you could see that the forward price in the options market is so much lower, at the very least, consider rolling out of that stock position and into some form of a synthetic using options. We can write about that on the website, and I think we'll do that. But you know, that's uh, a, an important public service announcement, I think, for anybody who's yeah. in this. Don't buy a stock <coughs> that you could buy $30 cheaper in the options market. Right, or play aggregates. Aggregates eliminate this kind like of- Like the ETF. Sure. The group, though, trades as a, as a group, correct? They're very tightly correlated, um, well, even though Tilray is more extreme because the short interest. There's know. some that are lagging others, but if you look at the ETF, uh -huh. the alternative harvest, that gives you a broad thrust of how we don't. We were able to get above the January high for the first time since January, and now we're consolidating at that high. You know, the final thing I would say, at $100, you're dealing with an $8 billion implied enterprise value, maybe a little bit more. This is a company that had $20 million in revenue. So if you're thinking, Jesus, come down so far, so fast, it must be cheap now. It isn't. It's not cheap now, and it won't be cheap when it's 100 either. All right. Up next, small caps mean big profits this year, and that's good news for one of our traders. We will explain. We are live at the NASDAQ market site. More options action still ahead. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Back in August, Mike said small caps were the best way to play volatility in the market. Taking a look at IWM, what we can see is that certainly over the course of the last couple of months, we've sort of been channeling in this area right here. We're going to try to make a bet that this is going to continue. Very simply, what we're doing is we're selling the 163, 162 put spread, collecting $2.10 when we sell the 163 put paying 190 to cover the downside on the 162s, and then also selling the 171, 174 call spread. The IWM ETF about, uh, up about 2% since the time of the trade. So, Mike, what do you do here? So, you know, this is one of those situations where we're trying to let time work on our side. And I think the question you want to ask yourself is more of a technical one here. 
Where this thing was going to break even on the upside was about 172.5 or thereabouts, approximately equal to the 171 strike we sold plus the premium we collected. To the downside, we can't really lose on this thing because we only are short that $1 put spread. What are your thoughts? Well, what's remarkable is actually since that moment, it has been one of the most sort of tight, benign three, four-week periods in the last 12 months, meaning it has literally stopped trading. I mean, it, it, within a 2 to 3% range for almost five weeks. My hunch is that it's going to do just that, stay here, because mm. we know that small cap stocks outperform for a long time. But this is a moment when super cap names, certain names, have come back to life. And so it's a relative underperformer and an absolute sideways. So I got to ask you this, super caps, okay, so we just had the Dow Jones go over its January high for the first time since then, okay, the S&P did it just recently, so a lot of strategists who have like 3,100, 3,200 year-end targets, right, they're like expecting a breakout and a straight move up, do you see that for the super caps, as you'd like to call them? Yes, the super caps, um, well, top five stocks are more than the bottom 250 in the S&P, yeah. um, my hunch is that, frankly, we're stuck here, and that probably post-election is a bit of a dip. Yeah. All right, up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action Time. Take your tweets. Our next tweet is from a CNBC superfan, Ivan the K, who asks, do you expect to see an election volatility premium creep into index options? If so, when? Professor Coe. Yeah, I absolutely do. Let's consider the VIX is below 12. At the money, 30-day implied volatility in the S&P right now is about 8%. That's very close to the all-time lows. It's almost no place for it to go but up, and we have plenty of reasons why it might. So I think that's probably going to start as early as next week. All right, time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter. Technology sector ETF XLK, sell. Mike Coe. November put spreads in XLK. Dan Nathan. Yeah, so everyone's talking about yields going higher so fast, yeah. so, you know, so far. I think it's, it sets up as a good contrarian trade, TLT long. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now.